So our main text tonight will be Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. And I titled the message, Run Your Race. And uh, we'll, see, uh, we'll see what that is all about as we get into the word. So uh, let me pray. Let's pray for us. Pray for our time in God's word tonight. Father in heaven, we thank you for this, this opportunity in the, in the, toward the end of the week, Lord, to gather uh, for worship, for fellowship, Lord, the encouragement that uh, we receive when we just come together and set our attention on you. And God, as we turn our attention to your word now, Lord, as we look at uh, this section of Hebrews and uh, Lord, those that went before us and did great things for your glory. And then you who went before us and did great things for our benefit and, and us right in the middle, God, what it is that you want to do through us. God, I pray you speak to each of us tonight about the race that we are to be running. God, I pray for those that are here that don't know what their race is, that you would give clarity and direction, Lord. God, I pray for those that know their race, but they're hindered in some way that you would break shackles off tonight, that you would uh, set free those that are hindered in any way, that God, when we leave this place tonight, God, we would understand who you are to us, what you've called us to do. And I pray we'd all find ourselves running our race. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, well, as you look at Hebrews chapter 12, I'm gonna read verses one and two, uh, and then we'll kind of go back and, and get into it. And so Hebrews 12, it says, verse one, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so as you go back up, the first word is therefore. And I learned a long time ago that whenever you see the word therefore, you got to go back to see what it's there for. You guys heard that? Um, so the word therefore is always a connector to something else. So um, this therefore is kind of a big deal because it's connected to Hebrews chapter 11. And Hebrews 11 is a chapter of the Bible. We, we call it the hall of faith. It's a section where God has specifically highlighted people who by faith accomplished great things for him. And so if you ever want to look at, you know, what faith is supposed to do, what faith is supposed to accomplish, you go look at Hebrews 11, where the Holy Spirit highlighted a whole chapter of individuals who went before us. And so it says, therefore, so we got to look back. So I'd like you to just, just peer back. I don't, I I wanted to read all of chapter 11. I timed myself doing it and it's 40 verses and it took way too long. So I ain't going to do that. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to highlight some of the characters Since you already know the address, when you get home tonight, if you want to dig a little deeper, you can go read it slower. I'm only going to highlight, right? But I want you to listen to the things that these people, that the Holy Spirit highlighted, all the things that they did by faith. And one thing that you're going to note, I want you to pay attention to, is how everybody's race is different. As we look at all these different individuals, they weren't all called to do the same thing the same way, but they were all called to do something great for the kingdom of God. And so um, the first guy that comes up is Abel. It says it was by faith Abel offered a better sacrifice than his brother Cain. And then his brother Cain killed him for it, you know. So just to highlight that, you know, by faith he offered a better sacrifice. But what did it cost him ultimately? His life. He got his brother murdered him for that, 
right? Um, something you should just know off the top as we go look at all these people that did great things by faith, being a faithful believer, being a man or woman that walks closely with Jesus that accomplishes things by faith, it does not grant you uh, immunity from difficulty. It almost guarantees that there are going to be some hits that come your way specifically for living for the Lord. So Abel, by faith, offered a better sacrifice than his brother Enoch. Um, kind of an interesting Bible character. He shows up. There's not a whole lot that you find about him. Enoch, by faith, he was taken up. He didn't die. He was the first one to get raptured. He was taken up. The Lord came down and said, I like this dude so much. I'm taking him to heaven early. And as you go read, all you have is Genesis 5 and Hebrews 11 to try to put together. What did Enoch do that was so amazing? You know what he did? Just says he walked with God. Nothing, nothing spectacular. He didn't do miracles. He just walked with God for a long time. And God said, I like this guy so much. I want him to heaven now. And God took him by faith. Enoch walked with God and he was taken up. Noah, by faith, built the ark, the ark that would save both him and his family. But it was done by faith because Noah, right? Noah was told that it was going to rain. Now for you and I, we, it rained all day today. So if I told you guys to prepare for the rain tomorrow, we know what we know what we're talking about. But Noah prepared that ark. They had never seen rain before. So by faith, he, he, he built this humongous, you know, boat type ark, you know, this, this humongous thing for animals and people to get into. But the thing that he built by faith, he, he would be saved in and his family would be saved in. But he did it by faith. Some of you, by faith, God has called you to endure. Think of all the mocking that Noah would have endured over his life. Think of all the people that were asking him, do we, you're building what? You're, it's going to do what? It's going it's to what? Rain? Like, I mean, just imagine what it would have been like his whole life to be preaching a message, because the Bible says he was a preacher, and building an ark, and nobody understood what he was doing. But he just, in faith, he did it. Maybe God's called you to do something and people around you don't understand. Well, you do it by faith. And not by sight. Amen. Like Noah, Abraham, by faith, God told Abraham, I want you to get out of your country and from your family. And I want you to go to a place that I will show you. Right. He doesn't even get full directions. God said, just get up and go to the place that I will show you. Lord, when are you going to show me when you get going? Just go. And so by faith, he went to the place that God would show him. Also, Abraham by faith, it says that he dwelt in a land of promise as, a for, as in a foreign land, waiting for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker was God. He wasn't tied down to the things here, though he was rich. By faith, Abraham's wife, Sarah, uh, though she was barren and too old to have kids anyway, by faith, she received a child uh, because she judged the one that told her she was going to have one faithful. So by faith, she brought, it, she brought forth the son, Abraham, by faith, when God told him to take this son, Isaac, that they waited for God to give him for years. And he finally got this son. and He loved him so much. And God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, and I want you to offer him up as a sacrifice to me. And Abram said, OK. And he headed to the he headed on out to do it. He says by faith, when he was tested, he offered up his own son, judging this, that because God said kids are coming from him, that God would have to raise him up if need be. And he took him. And he, and he was willing to offer him up and God intervened. Um, as you go through the rest, and I, I, I just highlight some of these guys, you know, by faith, Moses, right? Moses was living in Pharaoh's house. Pharaoh's daughter had taken him as her own son. But it says by faith, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. 
choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God instead of enjoying the passing pleasures of sin for a season. Some of you guys know, like there are people in the word faith movement that they think faith is how you get stuff, how you get things for yourself. One thing I would challenge anybody to do is look at Hebrews chapter 11 and you'll find that nobody acquired stuff for themselves by faith. They were doing stuff for God by faith. The only one that the only person that dealt with stuff was Moses and he gave up stuff in order to be what God wanted him to be. But he did that by faith. And I'll, I'll leave it there. The Israelites passed through the, 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 the they, they passed through the middle of the Red Sea on dry land. They did that by faith, trusted God. The Egyptians, when they followed them, were swelled up in the water. One of the things that I love, it says in that section, it says that these people, it says the world was not worthy of them. This is the Holy Spirit's commentary on these people. The, the people in whom the Bible says the world wasn't even worthy of them. And it's, it's that is what the writer of Hebrew has in mind as we come to chapter 12, verse one. And he says, therefore, because we just, you know, if you just read through all of these people and all the things they accomplished by faith. He says, therefore, also. We also, I'm sorry, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside the weight in the sin. And so now he says, in light of all those people, in light of all that that we've just looked at, we also since we're surrounded by this amazing cloud of witnesses, these people that have gone before us, that have done great things by faith. He says, we also, since we have them that have gone before us, let us lay aside the weight and the sin. Let's, let's get rid of the things that are hindering. And I, I thought of it like this, you know, for anybody here that maybe you, you played sports. Um, I, I, as I look back at these people in chapter 11, I believe they're supposed to give inspiration to us. Right. It's not like they're they're in the stands watching us, you know, like, go, go, go. But maybe maybe they're in heaven like, yes, go. You know, maybe they're rooting for you. I don't know. But I I believe we're looking at them for inspiration. Uh, I played football. I didn't go past high school football, but my position was inside linebacker. So anybody from the old school knows that there was a guy named Lawrence Taylor. And um, that was the guy. I mean, he had he had big old eyes that you could see him through his helmet. You know, he was kind of crazy. He played like he was on cocaine. And, uh, you know, he just was like, man, him and, and Mike Singletary, the few different guys that you, I would get there. I would go to the video store around the corner from my house and I would get these guys videos. And I would watch them before Friday football, before game day. And I would just, I would watch these grown men that just were like, they were looking, they looked looked like bulls. They were like breathing, you know, in the snow games, you could see the smoke coming off. And, you know, I would watch those and I'm like, I wanted to go out and be them. Now I wasn't them. And I I went out there. I mean, I watched it for inspiration. It stirred me up, but I ain't going to lie. I was not, I was not them when I went out there. I was, I was, I was Bill Buffington on the field. You know, I was, uh. I did all right, but I'm, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I just, I was nothing like the videos I was watching at home. It just didn't have, just didn't do the same thing for me, you know, but I would watch that for inspiration. As I watch these guys that, that were, that have gone before me, they're done now. As we look at these people that have walked by faith, because we're people of faith. We're people that are in relationship with the Lord. And we're looking at people that went before us and we're supposed to learn from them. And we learn a few things. We learned that it wasn't easy. We learned that it was unique, that God called Abraham to do something different than he called Moses to do. And Moses calling was different than Enoch. God has something different for everybody. And so I I titled the message, Run Your Race. Because one of the things that I see people do that is kind of, uh, it, it, it hinders is instead of running their race, they're trying to run another person's race. 
right? And maybe you're looking at somebody else and you're trying to be what they want you to be or they're trying to do what God's called someone else to do. We need to figure out what it is that God's called us to do so we can run our race. Because there's something that God has for you that he wants to do in you and through you for his glory. There's something that he's uniquely gifted you to do. Your, your life, all your life circumstances and the things that seem like they don't make sense, they all make sense when you get where God called you to be. That no, you'll find that nothing was an accident. You may have, maybe, maybe your, your childhood wasn't the way you wished it was. Maybe you weren't raised the way that you wish you had been raised. But as you, as you get into alignment with the Lord, God will start to make sense of all the crazy stuff. All the things that didn't make sense, it'll all start to come into alignment and you'll find that God had a plan for my life all along. Nothing was an accident. Nothing was by mistake. Nothing was, nothing just happened. Um, what's the name? What's that artist with the big afro? It's a white dude. And he, he paints on, Bob, was it Bob Ross? Whatever, that guy, right? If you watch him paint, uh, it's, it's kind of cool. If you watch him paint, I watch these things, he'll have a canvas and he'll start. And when he starts, you don't really know what he's doing. You know, he'll, he's, he's like he's teasing you, you know. It'll be a little bit of, you know, brown over here and a little bit of blue over here. And you don't know exactly what he's doing. But as he keeps going, you find out that, oh, he's making waves over here. And, oh, that was a, that was a sunset over there. And he knew from the first stroke of his brush what he was doing. You're figuring it out as he puts paint on the canvas. And it, gets, it becomes clearer and clearer and clearer the longer he goes. That's kind of like our life. That as you look at your life, and you're like, God, why was I raised like that? How come I had that going on in my life? How come most situations just keep going and just keep walking with the Lord? And you'll start to find out that even, even the things that were negative, the Bible says that all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Amen. And God will flip even the negative things, even the things that, that shouldn't have been. God will flip it all for good. And, and God will give divine purpose and direction to it as you just walk with him. And so... Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, the first command, let us lay aside. And he gives us two things. Lay aside the weight and the sin. Let's deal with the weight first. He has in mind here a runner. He's going to say in just a moment that we're going to run with endurance the race. And so the idea, the people that Paul was, I think Paul wrote Hebrews, so I just let that out. Um, but the, the writer of Hebrews, I would normally say, but you know, the, the, the people that he was speaking to, they would have understood the, the games, the Olympic games and the runners and everything else. And you guys know back then, if you were a distance athlete, you ran almost naked. Um, some people believe that they actually stripped all the way down. I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to say they at least had a string or something on, you know, I'm going to give them that much. I'm going to just, we'll see when we get to heaven, but I'm, I'm just going to give them that for free, you know? Uh, but they was, they stripped down as much as possible. There would be nothing that would hinder their mobility, their speed, no extra weight on them at all. And so when he says you, right, we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, you let's lay aside the weight. Weights aren't sins, but weights are things that hinder our mobility, they hinder our ability to do and be what God has called us to be. And so for us as believers, us that God has given a race to run, God has given us things to do. If there are things in your life that you realize they're not sinful, but they slow me down, right? It's not, it's not a sin. I'm not doing anything bad, but this thing right here does seem to get in the way and hinder my progress as far as what God wants to do in my life. You got to be able to call those things. You got to be able to put those things down and say, look, if I'm going to run my race with endurance, if I'm going to be everything God laid his hands on me for me to be, then I got to lay that weight aside. I got to take that thing and just lay it aside. And for everybody here, it's different. You know, for me, there was a point in time in my life where, 
you know, sports were a thing. When I was going to Bible college, um, you know, there was there were things that God showed me in that season. I had a wife. We had we were making babies. So we had little kids in the house. And God was like, Bill, you just can't be up watching that many hours of football and basketball. Um, you know, just so there was a season where I shut that down. Was it sinful? No. You know, I get my Lakers score some other kind of way. I would get the I would get the highlights. I would get the scores later, but I couldn't do the whole game, you know. And for me, for that season, if I was going to do what God wanted me to do, which was that that time, it was to really give myself to the study of the word in preparation for ministry. There was a season where that was all cut off so that I could really focus on the things that were more important, which was helping my wife raise little bitty babies and, you know, have time to study. And so I, I'm not here, you know, to blast out, you know, the men that like sports the week before Super Bowl Sunday. I'm not here to make you feel bad, you know, um, but everybody here needs to know whatever the weights are, right? Whatever's a weight, whatever's getting in God's way, you got to call that. You got to be able to say that thing is getting in the way. It's a weight. I need to let it go. And so I challenge everybody here. If there's, if, if there's something you would write down, if the Holy Spirit has put a finger on weights in your life, write it down. Write it down where you are. Don't, don't hide it from your wife that's sitting next to you or your husband or whatever. Just write it down. Make yourself accountable. This is a weight in my life. Acknowledge it. Confess it. And we're going to ask God to forgive you for it and help you with it before we get done tonight. He says, lay aside the weight. Then he says, separate category and the sin, which so easily ensnares us. Sin is different than a weight. Sin is bad. Sin is a violation of God's will for your life. Sin is a, is a missing of the mark. And so... These aren't weights. These aren't benign, innocent things that are just getting in the way. These things are actually against God. These things are damaging your soul. Is there sin in your life? Is there sin that you keep going back to? Is there sin that hinders you from being the man or woman God wants you to be? Is there something that keeps creeping its head up and it's not allowing you to be the person that God wants you to be? It's an hindrance. It's getting in God's way. What do you do about that? Because the writer of Hebrews says, lay it aside. Now, he wouldn't say lay it aside if it couldn't be laid aside. Amen? Right? If the, if the Bible tells you to lay something aside, guess what? You can lay it aside. One thing that God gives the believer is choice. Maybe as a non-believer, you were in bondage to things. You didn't have the power to overcome. You couldn't, whatever. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and the spirit of the living God lives in you, right? As the writer of, of Romans, Paul said in Romans, the, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Then God says, lay it aside. He'll enable you to lay it aside. It's going to be your choice, God's power. And so I challenge you to look at your life. Is there sin in your life that could hinder you from being what God wants you to be? Is there sin in your life that's getting in God's way? Is there something that you can identify? Is there something that's reoccurring um, that you can say this thing right here? Uh, maybe you're with someone. They could tell you. you know, I'm not, don't elbow nobody right now. But maybe you're with people. Sometimes, sometimes the people close to us can, they, if you can't be honest with yourself, they'll tell you, you know, that I ask the people that live with you, is there sin in my life that you can see? <laughs> Let them write it down and give it to you. You know, um, I mean that, if, especially if you lie to yourself a lot. But if there's sin that's keeping you from being what God wants you to be, then the writer of Hebrews says, lay it aside, get rid of the weight, but get rid of the sin. Right. Don't don't live like that any longer because God's got something for you to do. This is something I feel like I feel like it gets missed a lot of times for people when they kind of hear the gospel or they they hear the gospel wrong. I think some people hear the gospel like stop doing bad stuff, stop sinning, stop partying, stop getting drunk, stop doing this. Stop, 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 stop. 
and that's it. That, and come to God. That's the gospel. And that's not really the gospel. Amen. The gospel is you're already a bad person, right? Even if you think you're good, you're bad. If you're here tonight, you think, but I'm a good person. You're not good enough, right? The Bible says that all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. That's all of us. Everybody here is on level playing ground. So God loves bad people. God said, look, they've sinned and fallen short of my glory, but I love them anyway. So I'm going to do something for them that they can never do for themselves. I'm going to have my son who's perfect and holy and sinless. He's going to come to earth, live the life you can never live. His name is Jesus. And he left heaven, came to earth, lived a perfect, holy, sinless life. And then he died on the cross in our place. Took your sin, my sin, my shame, your sin, shame, your guilt, all of it, put it upon himself. And he died as a, as a sacrificial lamb in your place. Then he rose from the grave, conquered sin, death, and Satan in the resurrection. And he offers to you and me eternal life. That's what God did for us, right? And for everybody that takes hold of it by faith, God said, I'll receive you. You receive that? You believe that by faith? I receive you as my son or my daughter. I forgive your sins. I'll give you a brand new start in this life. That's the gospel message. Now, as recipients of that message, our life does change. After we receive the gospel, the Holy Spirit moves in. And it's the Holy Spirit living in the believer that says, hey, you, sh- you shouldn't be doing that no more. Yeah, you probably shouldn't be sleeping with your girlfriend no more. Yeah, you probably shouldn't be getting drunk and you probably shouldn't be doing that. It's not things that we do to get to, to, to appease God. It's now that I belong to the Lord, now that I've received this forgiveness, this mercy, there's things that, that I, 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 I begin to not want to do. The Holy Spirit living inside me is not okay living that way anymore. And so there's transformation, there's change that takes place. Here's the problem I see in in some church things is that if we only hear the stop and don't and don't and stop, but we don't understand the why stop. Why stop sinning? Why lay aside the weight? Why lay aside the sin? Why? So that you can run your race with endurance because you cannot run your race living like that. The sin, the, 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 the weights, they're not, we're not just stopping doing bad stuff. We're stopping doing bad stuff because there's some good stuff that God wants you to do and you can't have both. And for some Christians, if you just stop doing all the bad stuff and you come to church and sit down, you're going to be bored. It's going to be boring. That's not, that's not what God's called you to do. But I think that's where some people get stuck. They stop all the bad stuff. I, I, God, I stopped partying. I stopped fornicating. I stopped all that and I go to church and it's really boring. Nothing's happening in my life. It was so much more fun before you're doing it wrong. Right. God cleans you up so that now, now the thing that he's called you to do, you can get busy doing that. And if you miss that step, um, it's, it's you fallen short of the whole goal of it. Why does God save us and cleanse us and fix us and restore us and renew us? It's because there's something he wants to do through your life. And so if you're here and maybe you've took the first step, but you've never moved beyond being saved and going to church. Can I beg you to consider tonight that you would ask God, God, tell me, God, I'm saved. I'm forgiven. I'm thankful. What do you want to do with my life? Give me something to do. I I promise you, God will send you on an adventure. God will give you things to do that make you, they make you use faith. They make you overcome fear. It's going to be, it'll be exciting to walk with God if you do it the way the Bible teaches it. And you'll understand then why the sin had to stop because you could never have done both. Right. When I got saved, I was living with a girl that I wasn't married to. I was in fornication. I got drunk every day. 
I did credit card scams for money. These were, this is, this is my lifestyle. And then I got saved and the Holy Spirit moved inside me. And guess one of the first things the Holy Spirit challenged me about and really moved my, moved my conviction away. I didn't want to be drunk anymore. But he was wanting my mind to be sober because I'm supposed to be a preacher one day. Do I know that yet? Nope. But God's like, yeah, you, you, can't, you can't do that, right? You can't live with this girl anymore. You're not going to be fornicating with everybody. You're not going to be running around trying to you know, get with every female. Why? Because I'm going to make you a husband. I'm going to give you a wife. And you're going you're to make babies with her. And it's going to be wonderful. That's what, that's, that's what he had in plan for me. But I couldn't have both. What if I had kept running amok? If I'd have met my wife living like that, she would have been like, keep it moving. You know, I, I wouldn't have her. You know, she wasn't going to have that, you know. So it's like, if you're going to have what I'm trying to give you, then you got to stop this. And, and I didn't know God didn't tell me what he was going to give me. He just, I just knew that this had to stop. And there was conviction that that needed to stop and that needed to change. And as those things were put aside, God was like, boom, here goes a wife. I, I met my wife two months after I got saved. I mean, I was brand fresh. You know, I still smelt like the world. You know, I still, she wasn't even sure I was all the way saved. You know, she, she played me at a safe distance, you know. Um, but that's where it was. God was, God was preparing me for. I didn't know God had a, a call upon my life. I didn't know I would be in ministry. I love what God has given for me to do. But I know that if I, if I would have resisted God over here, no, nah, I'm going to keep drinking. No, nah, I'm going to keep living like this. Well, I wouldn't be here talking to you guys. I wouldn't be here. It, it, I'd be doing something else. And it probably wouldn't be as fulfilling as what God has called for me to do. And for every single one of you guys, I can just promise you this. Everybody has a different race. We're not racing each other either. Everybody's got a certain lane. There's something that God has made you to do, like specially crafted you. You got the heart for that. You've got the compassion for that. You've got the eye, something that God has made for you. And it's, it's your race It's what God wants you to do. And you got to lay aside the weight and lay aside the sin so you can fully walk in it. But it will be fulfilling, it will glorify God, and it will be a benefit to others. I promise you that. And it will be worth it. There's nobody that gives this up to come run with the Lord that says, man, that was better. Can I tell you? I, I, I feel like I, just, I could testify. I did both. When I was in the world, I, didn't, I wasn't in the world in a restrained way. I was, I was full on. I was, a, I was 110 percenter in the world. I gave the world a full run. I mean, I did the whole thing. I didn't restrain myself from anything in the world. I did it all. Everything I wanted to do, I did it. Now I've been saved since 1995. I can say if that were better, I could, I could go back to it, right? If it were better to be in the world, couldn't I go back? It's all still, they all still doing it. Everything I was doing is still out there. Someone is doing it. It's there. If it were better, I could go back. I'm telling you, I stand here today as a testimony that it wasn't better. That actually over here, I realized this has been way better. I had a handful of counterfeits over there. God has given me things in reality, things that matter, giving me something to do with my life that I care about, that, that, that I, feel, I feel like it's purposeful. It's, it, it, it matters. It means something. And so you as well. Writer, the writer says, we also, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, lay aside the weight and the sin, which so easily ensnares us. And it's easy, right? It's, it just easily ensnares us. It traps us up. It trips us up. It's not a difficult thing. It easily ensnares us. And then it says this, this is why we lay, lay those things aside. It says, and run and let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us. Let us run 
and he tells us how to run. We're going to run with endurance. Um, And this is what I want to say, too. Right. Let's say you are clear of the thing God's called you to do. You're not supposed to walk it. Y'all know running is more running exerts more energy than walking. Right. If you go to the gym and you get on the treadmill and you walk. It's, 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 you know, unless you really, really, really fat, you're not going to sweat for a long time. You know, it's just, it's just a little too leisurely, you know, but if you get on the treadmill and you start running, you're going to start perspiring. It's, it takes a lot more effort and energy to run than to walk. He didn't say lay aside the weight and the sin and walk. He says, run now, run the race to God, run it with endurance. And so the thing that God has called you to do, you're not supposed to go at it a little bit. You're not supposed to go at it with a half effort. You're supposed to go all out. And I, I, I sometimes I, 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 it bothers me. I'll see people that when they were in the world, they went all out. I mean, they had no rules. They stayed up all night. Nothing was too late. It's two o'clock. I don't care. We're just going to the morning. And then they get saved. And it's like church, is, that's church starts at seven. That's, that's so late. <laughs> it's like, brother, that's not even fair that you would give the world that and give God that. That's messed up, you know? When you find what God has called you to do, you're supposed to run with endurance. Everything you got, go for it, right? Paul told Timothy that he's going to stir up the gifts that are in him. And he says, look, the, the things that God called Timothy to do, he said, give yourself entirely to them. But all you got, Timothy, the thing that God called you to do with reckless abandon, go do it. Be about that life 100%. And so for those of us that are here that know what God's called us to do, you're supposed to abandon everything else. This is, this is my call. This is what God's calling. Do it with everything you got. Do it like it's the only thing that matters. Do it with all your passion. Give yourself to it. Run with endurance. Now, to run with endurance, it's a different kind of run. It's not a sprint. It's a long, long term, right? Endurance runners run long races. And if you're going to run with endurance, it's something that you're going to be doing. It's a long term commitment. And so God hasn't called us to, to jump out here and sprint real fast, do some things spiritually and then pucker out. No, this is for the rest of your life. This isn't a seasonal thing. This is, for, this is till you meet the Lord. This is till you die or till the Lord come back and get you. This is what we're going to be doing until the Lord comes back. Amen? And so run with endurance the race that is set before us. And I titled the message, Run Your Race. And it was an emphasis on your because that's really important that we run our race. There's some other people, I watch some other ministries, some people that have other callings that I'm really inspired by. I love Greg Laurie. Um, and when I watch Greg Laurie give the gospel and I see thousands of people get saved, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I cry. I don't get emotional about a lot of things, but I'm, when I watch people pour out of a stadium and I know that a good amount of those people are, are at least being there having an encounter with the living God because the message that was preached has impacted them, it gets, I get emotional over that. And I watched the gift of evangelism. It's like, wow, that's amazing. Um, but, you know, I've tried it. This is not my lane. You know, I've, I've like, you know, I've tried, you know, I've, I, I'm, I'm always going to share the gospel. But I realize there's a special gifting and anointing on certain men to do it in a way where it's like it's just remarkable that God uses them in that way. You know, it's a gift that I'm amazed by. I'm like, wow, but I, I got to stay in my lane. God says, you're your local pastor. Pastor, teacher, you're going to minister to people. You're going to teach the word and you can share the gospel too, but you ain't Greg Laurie. So, you know, (laughs) so stay, stay at your church, homie, you know, stay in my lane because look, 
Somebody else has that anointing. It's just not me. And rather than running around chasing down something that God said, I, I gave that to him, but I gave this to you. And so take what I gave you and run that with everything you got. And when you find a guy like Greg Laurie, pray for him and encourage him because somebody else has that. You don't. And so, you know, maybe you're here and there's something you wish you could do. Uh, maybe there, there are people that wish they could, they see the worship leader like, oh man. But some of y'all know that this is, don't you dare put a microphone to that voice. You know, you sing from the pews and don't, don't go any further. Run your race, right? Where God has called you, you run that race. Um, we can appreciate other gifts. We can be thankful for God's gifting upon other people, but run your race. Uh, we really got to get that. God, what did you call me to do? What, what, what gift has the Holy Spirit given to me? And what do you want to do in my life? Because as much as I admire what you're doing in her or in him, I'm a child of God too. And there's something that you want to do through me for your glory that's unique and, and effective and impactful. And I want to get a hold of what that is. And so run your race, run the race that is set before you. Verse two, I believe he tells us how. The first part of verse two, he says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. This is interesting to me because he, he, he started us off looking backwards, right? He said, therefore, so we, he had us looking backward at, at all the people in Hebrews chapter 11 that were doing great exploits and accomplishing great things by faith. And we're sandwiched in between them and Jesus. So he says, look back at the people that went before you. Look at all that they did. Look at what they did by faith. Look at what they accomplished. Look at what they did for me by faith. And then now you run your race. And he says, how do I run my race, Lord? Looking unto Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Because at the end of the day, you guys, it'll all be about Jesus. And I want to press this point home so hard. Nothing At the end of the day, at the end of your life, I'm going to tell you this. Nothing matters. Nothing matters except Jesus. You understand that? That's the most important thing that's ever been done for me and you was done by Jesus. He died for me. He died for you. Apart from him, we're all going to hell when this is over with. But it's because of Jesus that our sins have been forgiven. It's because of Jesus that we have everlasting life. It's because of Jesus that we have life, life now, even, even right now, the life that we're living as believers, it's all through what he's made available to us. And so he says, look unto him. Now he's going to use Jesus as an example too, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He's the beginning and the end of this whole thing. He started it. He's going to end it. He, he's the one that brought you into relationship. He's going to be the one to see you through. I love what Jude said. Jude says, now unto him who's able to present you faultless. How many of us here are faultless for real? Not one hand should go up. <laughs> you go, you go, I'll call you a liar right now, right? He's going to present you faultless. Jesus is going to present me and you faultless. Why? Because the blood of Jesus washes away our sins. Now unto Jesus. That's who we're looking to. That's our, that's our, that's our savior. That's our, our shepherd. That's the one that he's laid down everything for us. But he's also a wonderful example because Jesus ran his race. Amen. He came to earth with a purpose, right? He left heaven. I want you to understand he, he interrupted perfection. Jesus was in heaven. Everything was going just fine for Jesus. The angels worshiped him 24 seven. He was, you know, he was glorified. He was honored. He was with the father and the Holy spirit. They were there. They had sweet communion. He left all of that to save you and me. He left heaven 
and he came to earth. And as you read the gospel, you realize that Jesus left heaven and came to earth and had people on earth that he created disrespect him. You believe that? He left heaven, came to earth to save us and people was getting smart with him, asking dumb questions. And he, he humored them and answered their questions. Pharisees and scribes trying to catch him up. Now, I would have been a jacked up Jesus. I would have, I really would have, I would have, I would have lightning bolted people on a regular. I'd be like, man, don't ask him dumb questions. Pharisees, he don't like them Pharisees. They just be dying. They'd be bacon bits, right? But Jesus entertained their questions. He was gracious with them. He was humble as an example for us as he walked this earth. And he died for them too. Um, he let the Roman, he let the people take him away and they beat him, they flogged him, all the things that he endured and went through. But he, he left perfection and came down here and he endured those things for us, for our saving. But he's also left an example. Um, he said in, in, in John's gospel, Jesus said, for I always do the things that please the father, right? When, when they came to take him away and Peter drew the sword, he said, Peter, chill, bro. I could call a legion of angels if it was that kind of party. If it was a matter of fighting, I'll smoke everybody. I'll just call angels and it'll be over with. You know, we don't, that's not what I came to do. I came to die. He understood what he came to do. And so he wasn't trying to punish them or kill them or stop them. He came to die. That's what Jesus came. He was running his race. He was doing what God gave him to do. And even when it got very difficult, Right When he was facing crucifixion and he knew what that was, in his humanity, he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, your will be done. God, this is hard. Father, this is a difficult thing you've called me to do. But if there's no other way to save them, your will be done. Jesus prayed that for you and me. And so here's something else we need to consider as we run our race. There's not a verse in the Bible that says it'll be easy. Cut the contrary. Because you read Hebrews chapter 11 and you read toward the end and it starts talking about the prophets who were sawn in two and killed and, and, and messed over. It's difficult to do what God's called you to do. Second Timothy 3.12, one of them unprecious promised verses says, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's going to be difficult to walk with the Lord. Understand that Jesus, when he was leading his disciples, he said, hey guys, foxes have holes. Birds have nests. Son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Y'all want to come on? Come on, follow me. He said that. He said, look, they hated me. They're going to hate you. So if you need to be liked by everybody, you're not going to be a good disciple. Because he said, look, they hate me. And if you represent me, the people that hate me are going to hate you too. It's going to be difficult. That's what it's going to be like. They're going to lie on you. They're going to persecute you. He said, when they lie on you, when they say all manner of evil against you falsely, for my name's sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. That was Jesus preparing people to be disciples. It's not going to be easy. And it wasn't easy for him looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Right. And, and we learn about the motivation for the joy that was set before him. What was the joy set before Jesus, you guys? What was the joy? You were the joy. I was the joy. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He took the shame. For the joy, the joy of your salvation, the joy of you and me getting saved one day. For the, for the joy set before him of paving the way. He knew that he was the sacrificial lamb. He would be the lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. That through him, we could be saved. For the joy of what God would do in your life, he went through it. He endured it. 
Why is that so important? Right? Because when it gets difficult, uh, when we're out there serving or doing whatever God's called us to do, um, last thing you want to do is have a pity party. Start feeling bad for yourself. Start feeling like, oh, I was doing faithful. I was doing all the stuff you told me to do, God. And then, then. Right? I hate to hear Christians, especially men, sound like that. Because if you read your Bible, you know it's supposed to be that way. Me and my wife, planted, we planted a church in 2010. I can tell you guys that we've never had ever, 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 never, never, never. Have we never have had the kind of warfare that we've endured since we did that? Never. I've never we've never had the kind of things happen to us. We've never had the kind of dreams. We've never had the, the, the we've never had so many people hate us. We've never had any of the things that have happened. We've never had any of that till we did that. But it's purposeful. I, we can't quit. We can't wake up one day and say, you know what? We're going to just quit. No, no, this is it's worth it. There's souls that are in the balance. There are people that have come to Christ. There are people that are being discipled, that are growing in a relationship with Jesus. It's all worth it. The purpose, the, 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 it's the end game that we're looking at. Jesus said it was for the joy set before him. He didn't do it because Calvary was going to be fun. He didn't do it because the cross was going to be awesome. He did it for the joy that was set before him, what it was going to accomplish. And maybe you're doing something great for the Lord and you come under attack or there's warfare, there's opposition or there's difficulty. Sometimes we got to take a cue from Jesus and look at, but what's God doing through it? What's being accomplished through this thing and let that be your motivation looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy set before him he endured the cross despising the shame and I I think sometimes we, we focus on the cross and the pain and the difficulty but Jesus also took our shame right he endured the cross and he despised the shame they mocked him they humiliated him they stripped him They made fun of him. They smacked a crown of thorns on his head. They put a a fake robe on him and ripped it off and called him king. They, They made fun. They mocked him. The shame that we deserve, he took all that for us, despising the shame. Again, it was for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, despised his shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, when do you sit down when the work is finished? Right. When when you've completed what you had to do, you sit down. Hopefully some of y'all sit down on the job, you know, but we're going to fix that tonight. You know, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That means I I completed the work. I can sit down now. Everybody here, there's going to come a day when this is over for us. And it's not that far in the future. Right. We our lifespan is whatever it is. It's it's not that long. In light of eternity, our life is is the Bible's your life is just a vapor. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. It comes, it's like a a match. You light a match, it goes, poof, it flames up, and then, boom, it goes away. That's your life. I love the saying that says, only one life, soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. That's it. When you're done here, two things. Hopefully you got born again in your time and space on earth. Hopefully you entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ that was genuine and sincere and the blood of Jesus has washed away your sins and you're going to heaven. Beyond that, if you've already done that, hopefully you're, you're sewing up, stowing treasure in heaven. You're, 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 you're living for eternity. You're not living for this earth, but you're living for the life to come. You're living for eternity. You're sowing treasure up ahead. You're living for eternity. Jesus encouraged his disciples. 
He said, don't store up treasure here on earth where moss and dust corrupt or where thieves break in and steal. He says, but store treasure in heaven where moth or dust don't corrupt and where thieves don't break in and steal. Don't get tricked into living for the temporal. God wants us living for the eternal. Amen. He wants us to live for that which really matters. And so as we bring this to a close, I want to really challenge us, but encourage us as well. Right. I want to challenge you first that in the earlier part, he said, lay aside. Right. Lay aside the weight and the sin, which is getting in God's way. And if you're aware that there's weights or sins, then I'm asking you as a person that believes that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave is coming back again. Would you, would you take tonight? Could tonight be the night for you where you acknowledge those things before the Lord, where you confess the sins, let the Lord forgive you and cleanse you and you get moving forward from here. If there's weights and things that they're not sins, but I need to lay that aside so I can be what God wants me to be that tonight could tonight be the night where you acknowledge that thing, confess that, confess that weight, lay it down that you can get moving forward in what God's called you to be. I want to pray for that. Secondly, maybe you're here. You say, I'm born again. I give my life to Christ. I'm just not real clear on what my race is. I don't know what God's will for my life is. Um, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't, I don't have clarity about that. This is what I would encourage that person. If you're here and I love God, I'm born again, I'm going to heaven, but I don't have clarity about God's call upon my life. Uh, two things. One, I would say walk in obedience to what you do know. So there is the general will of God for everybody. It's, it's explicit in the Bible. There are things that God doesn't want Christians to do, things he does want believers to do. If you're unclear about the specific things that God wants, make sure that you're walking in obedience to the general things, right? That you're walking in that. And then from the position of obeying the general will of God, seek the Lord to be more specific with you. God, as I'm walking with you here, would you give me clarity about the broader picture of what you want to do with my life? Uh, Because sometimes the hindrance to knowing the specific will of God is that people are not walking in obedience to the general things. And if you're disobeying God's blatant commands over here, why would he be more specific with you? You know, if I'm walking in open rebellion in areas that I already know God doesn't want, why would God be more specific with me about what else he wants to do with my life? So obey the general and then from the position of obedience, seek the Lord to give you clarity on the specific things that you might walk in them. And so we've laid aside weight and sins. We've gotten clarity from the Lord. And then lastly, uh, I know there are people here that are serving the Lord. And I know that it's difficult. I know there are people here that your hands are to the plow, you're serving God. And sometimes you get beat up. It's discouragement. You get, you get whomped on. And I want to just pray for you guys that God would give you strength, right? He said, run your race with what? Endurance. That means don't quit. That's, 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 that's continuing. That means to continue going, run your race with endurance. The one thing we don't want to do guys is quit. The, the, the only way that Satan can defeat the believer, right? He can't beat you. He can't, he can't take over your life. Um, if you look at the spiritual armor, it, it covers everything in the front. You got the shield, you got the, 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 the breastplate, the belt, the, the feet shod with the Feet, the shoes that are like cleats to give you good footing. You got the helmet, you got the sword. Everything in the armor is intended for you to move forward. You realize there's nothing protecting your backside because there's, there's nothing, there's, there's never, it's never God's intention that we would turn tail and that we would run away. 
And so one of the things the enemy does is try to discourage those that are serving the Lord, that they might quit, that they would stop. That's the victory. Uh, And I would just give you as a reference, go read Nehemiah. As Nehemiah's heart was stirred to build the wall, the enemy came and just, it was discouragement. And they, they, it was, you know, the, I forgot the guy's names right now, but they came and, and they, they came against him and, and, you know, they made fun of him. They said, oh man, if, if, if you build that wall, a fox run that wall, they made fun of the wall he was building. But you know what Nehemiah did? He kept building and he kept building and they, they caused political stuff. Oh, we're going to tell the king that you're starting wars and stuff, whatever. They said, man, come off the wall, work and come to the plane. Oh no. He said, no, nah, I can't do that. I'm busy doing something for God. And when he was all done, the wall was built. But the enemy was there badgering him the whole way, just discouragement. If you're here and you're a servant of the Lord and you're getting beat up, I'm just going to pray for you tonight. That God would meet you, strengthen you, build you up. And that you walk out of these doors tonight, recommitted to keep going with everything you got. Amen. Let's pray, you guys. Father, we thank you for your word this evening. Thank you for the example of those in Hebrews 11 that have gone before us. Uh, Lord, um, thank you for that example and that that cloud of witnesses that we can look back and find inspiration and encouragement through them. God, thank you for the command and the direction tonight to lay aside weights and sins, to run with endurance the race that you set before each of us while we're looking unto you, the author and the finisher of our faith, the greatest example in everything, Lord. God, I pray for those that are here that you've spoken to them tonight about weights and sins that need to be laid aside. God, I pray that you would, uh, you would just stir up in the hearts of those for, for whom that applies, that they would confess and acknowledge. Uh, Lord, they, they would, even in this moment as we pray, that they would lay these things down before you. God, I pray that the blood of your son Jesus would cleanse them, forgive them, wash them, renew them tonight, Lord. And you would give them new strength to walk forward from our time together tonight, Lord, that they would lay aside weights and sins, that they might see what it is that you want to do in their life. God, I pray for those that are here and they're listening and they love you. They know you. They're just unclear on your specific will for their life, what their race is, what they're to focus on. God, I pray as we, even as we pray right now, that you would speak to the hearts of those who are turned towards you, Lord, that they might be directed, uh, that you might show them what it is that you want to do in them and with them and through them for your glory. And so, Father, I pray you would help them. And then, Lord, I pray for the servants of you, those that are here and they're running their race, they're serving, and it's difficult. It's just with endurance. God, I pray that you would strengthen those that are serving you tonight. God, I pray you fill them afresh with your spirit. God, renew them, renew them in their hearts tonight. God, renew their heart strength, that they be reminded tonight. And we all set our hearts, set our minds, our eyes back on Jesus. That God, whatever we think we're going through, what you went through is greater. And so, Father, I pray you would renew us in your strength, that you would fill us afresh with your spirit, that you would send us forth from this place, not in the flesh, not in our own might, not in, not in our own energy, Lord, but in the power of your spirit to continue to move forward, doing all that you've given us to do. God, may you be glorified through your church. You deserve it. You are worthy of it. And as we close tonight and we worship God, I pray that we would put our eyes back on you, that you would be the focus. You would be the centerpiece. You would be the big deal in every one of our lives. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, who died on the cross in our place for our sins, that we could be forgiven. Jesus, we thank you. We love you. We worship you. Thank you for all that you have done for us. Help us to live in response to the cross. 
We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 God bless you.